0: My name's Joanne Averson, and you are so welcome to series three of my podcast. Enjoy. I had lots and lots of feedback about fascia and chocolate as a liquid crystal matrix, which is fascinating to me that it inspired so many people. And thank you for your kind congratulations on the commission of another book. And do tell me, do email me or message me on Instagram, joannaverson.com or Averson on Instagram. Do tell me if there's anything that you really want covered in the book, because although the framework of it is now largely written, um, if you have any questions or aspects of it that you'd really like to go deep on, um, there's still room for me to reflect in more detail anything that fascinates you. And from the feedback about what's fascia got to do with chocolate and why chocolate, um, I just wanted to kind of animate an aspect of that for you in a sense that I know for many of you, fascia is so familiar now. I mean, there's just piles of science and research papers and ideas about how you translate um, a a liquid crystal matrix into a practical understanding of the body. Um, And it's not an easy thing to do, actually. In human dissection, mostly, the tissue is preserved in ways that mean it's very dry and it can appear like um, fibreglass. The fascia can be fluffy and um, amazingly like a sort of fabric, a tissue, a woven thread. But often there's an absence of anything that indicates that it's a liquid crystal matrix in the living body. Now, having said that in Soft Fix and in um, Fresh Frozen, which are much harder to work with in some ways because they deteriorate rapidly, um again it's still difficult. And so we rely in this time on images like those given to us by Dr. Jean-Claude Gamberto, for example, whose absolutely beautiful work um I go into in an interview with him um, in episode sixty six of this podcast series, if you haven't heard that already. And in my book, he very kindly in the second edition let me use some of his images and indeed he has a book of his own and a website with lots of information. And what that work has done is really animate how we see the fascia and give us a clue as to how it works in the living body. But those of you out there who are body workers, as in movement teachers or practitioners of manual therapy, um. We we want to know more than that. We want to really understand how to apply the knowledge to how we touch people, how we treat people, how they animate, how they move themselves. And one of the big issues that we're all up against is what's the best method? And you know, there are as many methods of bodywork and movement as there are species of tree or bird. And you know the idea that any one method is right for everyone or one size fits all. You know it, it it can't be because we're all unique, which actually makes us all the same, ironically. But one of the difficulties I come across with people, and, I, and I'm not just talking about practitioners either. I'm talking about senior researchers who write about the fluid of the human body as if the word liquid actually makes sense of what happens inside us. And in fact, very little of us is liquid. The urine, uh, we have tears running down our faces and sweat pouring off us. They have a liquid nature, but inside our bodies, um, it doesn't quite work like that. And so understanding the nature of a liquid crystal is very fascinating, huge subject But it's what makes us more like chocolate than machines. And what makes me say that is that we are still working as movement and manual practitioners on anatomy books and understanding of human function based on a metaphor of machinery. We talk about biomechanics. We talk about mechanoreceptors as being part of our sensory network. And the language that we use is based in this mechanical metaphor. Now, it's hard because finding language that makes sense of us is tricky because it's like looking at our own eyeballs in some ways. But what we've got to remember is that back in the Sixteen, seventeen hundreds, 1700s, when the Renaissance took place in Europe, in the Western world, we were separated from our bodies in the sense that, in order to get permission to undertake the study of anatomy, Rene Descartes, as I've said in many podcasts, went to the Pope for sanction. And that sanction and permission was given to do human dissection based on. A kind of a turf deal, as uh, Candice Pert puts it, in molecules of emotion, and it's a fabulous read, by the way. Molecules of emotion. I mean, what a beautiful title! And she describes how, in order to have that permission, Rene Descartes was given, let's say, scientific authority over the use of the body. So long as the church retained jurisdiction over the soul, the being, the spirit, the anima animus of the mind and the emotions and the awareness of the being when it was alive. And what that effectively did was it cut a rift between the visible and invisible aspects of us. And we could go further with that because even though what's inside us is invisible, we could say it's the physical and the non-physical aspects of us. And the reason I want to highlight that in this podcast episode is because we're in a paradigm shift. We've, you know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, another paradigm shift. No, this is great, big, huge. Because While we try to unravel the science behind understanding fascia, we find ourselves with so much information. It's like a kind of free-for-all out there that I know some of you are very familiar, some of you perhaps are not, but you discover something about fascia and it might be that you've come across anatomy trains by Tom Myers or you've heard about the Fascia Research Congresses or you've read something on Instagram or social media or, or wherever and you're animated and excited because something about it makes a sense to you. So scientifically, we then go down a route of understanding that sensory awareness and we we have the language of mechanoreceptors. And it's reduced to this functional understanding that is deep to the wisdom, the classical wisdom of, the, of using the metaphor of mechanics, like I said. So what I'm pointing to here is that we've got the old language and we're trying to animate a new paradigm. And that new paradigm has really been brought home over the last three years. Because it's unprecedented in human history that so many nations, so many individuals came together for the same reason. Now, as I said in in the newsletter that accompanies this um, episode, and do sign up to our collective if you want to get regular newsletters and and be and hear about the podcast but what i talked about is the fact that we were all in lockdown together the majority of the world came together as a whole now regardless of whether you agreed with that or you are somebody that wanted to be in lockdown or Was in a place that wasn't locked down or that, whatever. This is not a political statement. It's simply that it is unprecedented in history that so many of us were united by a common theme. Whatever the individual response was and whatever the local behavior was, it was the most global coming together whatever your opinion is, regardless of that, that we've experienced in history. And that coming together, we didn't all agree, we didn't all necessarily have the same response, we, we didn't even have the same experience on a local level, but on a global level, This was a whole world event. And one of the things that I think happens, you know, with the the questions about how the press works and all of that, is many of our social media platforms and many of our uh, press outlets rely on creating large groups of opinions and bringing people together with common causes or common themes. Common threads that fascinate us. So we almost have to expand our view to recognize that there's a global and a local difference in how we behave. But it's unprecedented that we had one such huge event over the last three years that brought us all together. Now, in the strangest way, fascia actually has a common cause, and it is the common sense of all of us. And what I think is happening, and why I think it's so fascinating to so many people, and what we're on the edge of is really coming back to the wholeness that was frankly decimated 400 years ago when the being and the body was segregated. We live in a world where unity and diversity and equality and acceptance are becoming requirements. And I think that's a wonderful thing, personally. And if you can imagine that your fascial matrix was the original fabric of you that you self-organised with and from, so that every force that moves through it, every form that it organises or that you organised it into, is part of the wholeness that includes... You as a person, your character, your gestures, your spirit, your anima animus. They were segregated in order to study one of them separately. But they coexist in real life. And the difficulty that we have is finding the language to unite them again. Because as I study spiritual science, as many of you know, and the difficulty is extreme. In not sounding like a complete lunatic, when you talk about the spiritual awareness or the sense of something, and we all get collectively excited when we can actually attribute that sense to a physiological response. So everyone's completely fascinated by neuroscience because neuroscience can validate what we sense. And this subtle awareness gets a tick that it makes sense to the human body your beingness your aliveness the spirit of you walks around in a physical form but that's not all it is that's crazy but the language we have to describe it is 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 just biomechanics and reduced to parts and this is a theme very dear to yop van der Waal's heart where he just holds true to a truth. And this is a universal truth. We are not formed from parts into a thing like a car or a watch or any machine. We are whole. We begin as whole. And from that wholeness, we animate the parts. The anima animus comes first. And that's that's huge. And if you think about it, what causes confusion, I believe, is that the language we're restricted to is basically mechanical. When we talk about the body and we go and learn about it and we learn about muscles and bones and organs and sensory sections and systems as if they're all distinct. And we get all excited when we discover that the fascia unites them. But we have to give up this idea that fascia is just connecting tissue or fascia is just scaffolding. There's people still arguing with me about it online. It's ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous to suggest that the fascial matrix is functions as nothing more than scaffolding. It's been demonstrated. It's been shown scientifically. It's been researched. But even the research cuts pieces out of the body in order to test them separately. It's called histological research or histological analysis. And the truth of the matter is that within us, it's one continuous piece from head to toe, inside out. You're basically a torus with limbs and they are, in a way, toroidal. I know. Poof. How do you explain that? It's very difficult. And how do you find language that's properly grounded so that we can communicate it? Well, Sir Isaac Newton had a go at that and invented the language of calculus in order to explain motion in space. I don't know if you speak fluent calculus. I certainly don't. I managed a little bit of algebra at school and I think it stretched my mind. But that's another word, stretch. What do we mean by it? And it's a bit of a minefield and it's a bit tricky. But one of the reasons that I talk about chocolate is because chocolate is a liquid crystal. And what that means is it has properties that are in constant flux. Now, my dear friend Karen Kirkness uses the word flux stability, which I love. And I use the word biomotional, which I also love. And while we can't go around making things up right, left and centre, we can, I think give ourselves permission to consider that the state of constant motion within us has very unique properties for each one of us that are globally in our bodies about wholeness. Whichever one of the parts we're focused on, And even when we're focused on those parts, they're part of the whole. And the hard part to get our heads around is that liquid crystals are not necessarily fluidic. They can be solid-ish. But they're based in the principles of soft matter. And most of the analysis of the human body historically has been done on the basis of hard matter physics. So therein lies the storyteller's delight that the language we use gives us access to the way we see and the way we animate and the way we understand. And we are in a place where we want to honour the wholeness of our collective beingness. And our parts are in a collective wholeness all the time. And that unity is expressed by our unique fascial matrix, which makes us all the same. I know. Go figure. So that's my thoughts on fascia and chocolate a little bit more because you asked me about it. And the other bit was the books, just as a PS. Every book, whether it's an autobiographical novel or a story about a fictional story about something or a book of poetry or a children's book or a scientific guidebook, a practitioner's handbook, whatever it is, it has a theme. It has a style and it has a cohesive thread because there's an awful lot goes into writing a book and there's editors whose job it is to make sure that the theme is honoured throughout whatever that theme is. And so to make it make sense as a whole, it must have the right links, the right connections, the right interaction with the reader. And there's also a physical aspect to the way it's written if the type is very small and dense, it seems to be intense. If, the, if, the, if it's written for children, the type will be larger generally and more accessible with more space and light around it. So there's a physical aspect to a book as well as the imaginative creation of the story around it. Whatever it is, it's helping you envisage something. It's helping expand your knowledge. And all of these are invisible non-physical kinds of awareness. So we need both. We need the physical book and we need the image that we get from it. And we need the subtle awareness that it brings us. Our entire education system is based on that. But then we have to put it into experience and then we have to process it and become a craftsperson or an expert in the field that we've used it as a reference for. So there's a lot of similarities if you can work with some different metaphors. And I really invite you in the world of fascia to open your mind and not reduce it to replacing traditional classical biomechanical theories and kind of squishing the fascial matrix into its role as individual parts of the body. It doesn't work like that. And it doesn't work for manual therapists to treat people as if separate parts are separate because they're not. And it doesn't work in movement to focus on individual areas and not take account of the whole. And that can sound frightening if we don't understand about individual profiling and recognising certain signs. And that's when we get back into our different methods and means. But generally speaking, my invitation to you is to expand your mind to include a wider language, to understand the fascia as a soft matter, continuous wholeness that never, ever functions in the living body without some kind of integration with the being that's moving it. Movement is our sign of life. So with that, I remind you that as a chocolatier, when you're making anything delicious, the first thing you have to do is get all kinds of variables right. Temperature, texture, temperament for any particular type of chocolate. And you have to keep it moving. You have to work with it at the right temperature and you have to keep it moving. And then you have to know when to keep it still and at what temperature. And it's a craft. It's an artisan craft. It's very beautiful. And it taught me an awful lot about the human body. Thus, it's very dear to my heart. I wish you well. I hope you love chocolate. If you do, treat yourself to a little mouthful. I'm with JK Rowling on that one. I think it cures everything and only a little. You don't need much and in great humour and with love and blessings, I wish you well.